Welcome to the Winning Edge Investments Podcast. Winning Edge Investments provides industry-leading horse racing and sports betting tips, ratings and education, enabling you to invest intelligently and treat your betting like a business. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com to learn more about how you can start to supercharge your betting bank immediately. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. Today we're joined by Sam Tankard, a track walker in Victoria with more than a decade's experience walking tracks and uh, helping punters work out what tracks do and track bias and preparation. How are you, Sam? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. That's the way, mate. We thought we'd get you on the show to, to give punters an insight into what you do as a track walker. So firstly, give us a bit of background about how you got into the industry and how you got into walking tracks. Yeah, so I've been working um, part of the track team for Mooney Valley Racecourse for uh, almost 20 years now. So it sort of started a little bit from that. Um, and then, yeah, I started, uh, I was just looking at the other, going to look at the other tracks just to see um, how those tracks were performing. And if we had any issues like with disease or anything, it's good to go and have a look at those other tracks just to see if they're having some of the same issues and what they might be doing. Um, and then I sort of joined a, a punting service, uh, Mr. Magic Racing. It's on Twitter and um, started sort of talking to him. And he used to walk the tracks a long time ago and I started doing it for him. Um, and then it, uh, yeah, it sort of grew from there. I've had some punters contacting me on Twitter and, um, probably up to sort of 10 or 12 punters now that I walk the track for on a Friday. So I do Mooney Valley, uh, Flemington and Caulfield on a Friday afternoon before the races and just give them a little bit of insight into, um, just, just some of the lanes that might be a little bit better or a slight advantage. Um, yeah, just to try and give them a little bit of a, an insight and to help them a little bit. We'll just go through some key principles on um, the tracks, and we'll start with, I guess, one of the, the bigger ones and most debated is uh, bias and pattern. Yeah, so I think there's a little bit of a misconception from the punters that tracks should always be even, and I'll, I'll take you through the reasons why you know that that is pretty difficult. So um, the most even tracks are generally the tracks that have had you know a three or four week break, haven't had too much racing. Um, that's when they're at the sort of their mo- most even. Um, but yeah, I'll take you through the the things that um, you need to sort of look for and things that make those tracks. So we start with sort of irrigation. So at Mooney Valley, we have a really good irrigation system where we use sprinklers. But but that even how good it is, only waters at 86% uniformity. So you can start to see already that it doesn't water at 100% uniformity. So, you know, when we water six, say six mil, that might take us four or five hours. So from the first sprinkler starting to the last one finishing, there can be four hours sort of drying time. So that, that, that's pretty considering we might water like say 3 a.m. when, when the wind's not at its lowest and finish it at about 6 a.m. So that water's moved through the profile of those first few sprinklers quicker than what the last sprinklers have. So that's sort of one of the areas. Um, the other two clubs, Flemington and Caulfield, sort of Flemington use the Upton irrigation and sprinklers, so they sort of alternate a little bit, and Caulfield use a little bit the Upton sort of during the day a bit, and that's the same. So where that Upton starts during the day, it might be, you know, three or four hours until that Upton finishes – um, you know, it's drying out different in different areas. So, 
Um, that, that's some of the things that just to keep an eye on. Um, then we sort of move into wind. Wind's a really big one, not just on, on race day, but just how tracks dry out generally. So I'll give you an example of, of Mooney Valley. Um, from the sort of 200 to the, even down to the 800, it, it's really protected there. But especially between the 5 and the 200, we have the big Tabaret building there. And the wind just doesn't get in there. We, we take a wind mate sometimes and it can be 10 or 12k difference between that 5 to the 200 and the straight. So the straight actually dries out a lot quicker with no matter what wind it is, whether it's a northerly or a westerly. And so it naturally that it's just the way tracks dry out in different areas. Um, I think all three of the tracks, the straights dry out a little bit quicker. Um, the cambers sort of play a role in, in that. Um, the cambers sort of where they, they camber the, the inside of, of the tracks usually take a little bit longer to dry out. So. And then obviously on race day, the wind is, is a big factor, like we've seen on the weekend with Caulfield. That's a typically northerly, strong northerly wind track. So if, if a northerly, if they're 30 plus K winds, you really need to be paying attention to that. So on the weekend at Caulfield, from the shoot races, from the 1200 to the 400, they're facing that breeze, you know, for 800 meters. So it just takes the edge off those on paces and it really allows those um, those stalk and the speed to just slingshot into the races once they get a little bit of cover from that northerly. So that they're, they're a big factor, the wind, just in how tracks dry out differently because of the wind, if there's some shade or, or there's protection from trees, which we have a lot of sort of Mooney Valley, the lower spots like down near the 800 is our lowest spot of the track. Um, they just dry out differently. They don't all dry out exactly the, 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 um, evenly. Would you say Mooney Valley is the one which um, is affected mostly by the wind? Yeah, I think so. So because the straight dries out quicker, generally quicker, and you've already got a track that's got a 180-metre straight, those horses that on speed, that if you, they've got momentum hitting that straight that's a little bit quicker, they've just got that advantage of, and, and it's not much, it might only be a length advantage, but at Mooney Valley on a small straight, you know, that that's a big advantage where it's probably less than an advantage at Flemington when you've got such a big straight, so they've got time to get out. But Caulfield plays a little bit that way too because I, I find that the turn is just that touch sort of softer. So those horses that get onto the straight first just have that advantage of getting a little bit more momentum on those back in the field. Um, and that's just the way that, that they dry out naturally. Um, then you take into consideration machinery. So this is probably the one thing that a lot of people don't understand is just how much machinery has to go on the track to keep, keep them perfect. Like at Mooney Valley, for example, um, we probably cut the track two to three times, times a week. Um, we use a big five meter gang mower. So that, that has a, those tires are sort of two to three ton tractor driving on that track. Now we do try to move those as best we can. And even on a race week, we try to have our last cut maybe Monday or Tuesday before a Friday meeting or a Saturday meeting just to let it sort of even out. But you have got those tractors that are going there. Same with the fertiliser. At Mooney Valley, we use a lot of liquid fertiliser, so we spray spray probably three times a month. So that's a a 2,000-litre spray unit because of the water volume you need for such a big track. Um, You know, that... That sort of three, four ton tractor driving in the same spots all the time. That's why they, they create lanes and you have lanes on track. There's sort of not much you, you can do. It's the same tracks all need aeration. They have to have verde draining to keep them healthy. You have to have a certain amount of air in your profile. So 
you try to you birdie drain your track right across evenly, but where the tire marks go is going to be different. And that's one of the things that I look for when I'm track walking is where those it might have been birdie drain, but where those tire marks are, and they might be every meter and a half, or they might be there might only be one lane where they they're a little bit of an advantage, but there's something that needs to be sort of looked up. When we put the rail up, you've got to drive like a little. Um, tractor around towing um, an air compressor. So if we're going out four metres, we drive in behind that rail. Um, so there's more tyre marks there. So all the track managers are great at, at trying to move those tyre marks and do them evenly, but there is always going to be that some tyre marks there from machinery um, that certainly play a part on race day. Is that easy to identify for a, for a track walker? Um, yeah, it is, certainly for me. I, I know what I'm looking there, so... That, that's certainly something that I look for when, I, when I'm track walking. There might be just a couple of sets of tyre marks that they've fertilised that week. And, and look, it's not it's not a massive advantage, but like I said, it might just be that one length advantage that lane. So, you know, if the right horses are on that lane, then can use that. It sort of all adds up. So there's sort of little things that I, I'm certainly looking for when I'm when I'm track walking. And then probably the biggest factor is, um, along with tempo, which I won't speak about, the punters are smart enough about the tempo, but where is, is the biggest factor? So where from previous race meetings? So generally, if you let's say we're in the true um, and you have a race meeting, um, they generally cover, you know, three or four lanes around the circles and then in the straight they fan out a little bit more. So you might have had 120 horses, 500 kilo horses in that four or five lanes so they are compacting that track. It's it's like having a roller over that track. So those lanes are naturally firmer after a race meeting. So if you then sort of move the rail out three metres, well, generally you're going to have one or two two lanes that have got a bit of wear on them, and they, they could be firmer. If the track is a good three, well, there's a chance that they're going to be a little bit firmer, and that's the challenge for the track managers that is trying to get enough moisture in them that they're not too big an advantage. Um but sometimes that's when you can see that sort of fence bias. It's generally been that there's been some wear from a, from a previous track that might just get a little bit too firmer. On some days, you hope that those lanes will, will cut up um, or break up as the day goes on, and they don't. They hold together and they just get firmer and firmer, and that's um, sometimes it's just that's the challenge for sort of track managers. In an ideal world, yes, you'd move the rail out past it but unfortunately you can't always do that you've got you know you might have two race meetings in a row so you've planned to move it through three six nine um trying to maximize field size especially at mooney valley like once we go out past three meters we start losing horses um so you can't you don't try to keep the rail true to three as much as possible that maximizes the field sizes and and turnover Uh, and that's why i think you've got tracks sort of have where the horse traffic goes the most, you know, you're going to have sort of some lanes. They're getting more compacted as opposed to, like, say, let's talk Mooney Valley, for instance. Like, the lanes out sort of 8 to 14 don't get raced on too much. So those lanes naturally just hold more more moisture. They have more organic matter. Um, so as you're sort of moving that rail out to sort of 3, there's some lane, you know, three lanes that get more horse traffic. They get more machinery as opposed to the lanes out wider that hold more moisture. Now it might only be the difference that that eight to twelve is a good four and the inside is a good three, but but that's enough of a difference that horses can sort of make ground out there but can't win 
Um, so they're sort of some of the main factors. I know we get a lot of a bit of talk on social media sometimes about keeping the rail in the true position permanently. What's your take on that? Yeah, so I think that's an easy thing to to, to say, but put it this way, and and I will speak about the Cox Plate pattern when the rail's true true. But if you've got true true and and two good tracks, well, the inside four or five is going to be better because that's that's been compacted from from the race of the week before. So you might get away with it for sort of two meetings, but if you start getting sort of trying to do three or four meetings on it, tracks have to recover. So a divot when we put sand and seed in a divot. It might take sort of four to seven days for that seed to strike. It's probably starting to anchor after about two weeks, um, and you're looking at sort of five to six weeks, so that's really at full maturity. So if you continue to race on it, continue to dig it out, um, then it's not going to recover. So tracks need to, to recover, and then it can start to become, you know, unsafe. It's like, you know, playing cricket on a on a cricket pitch, on the same pitch four or five games in a row, the ball will just start to skittle on the ground and it'll be really dusty. And Same as at a golf tee, if you just keep hitting off the same tee all the time, you'll just have divots there to just stand and they, and they just don't grow. So I think that's an easy sort of cop-out to say that. Um, in an ideal world, you, as we talk about the programming and that, you, you wouldn't have you know tracks where you're racing three times in a row. It would be great to have you know a fortnight gap um, and that way, you know, you'd have time to recover and you might be able to do a couple of meetings in the true with a fortnight gap or a three-week gap. Yeah, so that's some of the things to sort of to look out for. They're the main sort of things to look at and reasons why there's there's bias and pattern. We'll run into a couple of case summaries with the, uh, the Cox Plates of the last five years, mate. Let's roll through them. Yeah, so I'll take you through the Cox Plates. So going back to uh, 2015, which was the one that uh, everyone said there was the Travelator on the inside, Winx's first Cox Plate. So that was the last time that we've uh, had the rail true on the Friday night and then gone out to three metres. So what happened there is when you move the rail three, you've got, you know, one to two lanes of wear. Uh, we put about six mil on that Friday night. So we tried to get enough moisture into that inside lanes that they'd break up after one or two two races and then bring the wider lanes into play and make them more even. Unfortunately, the track was probably in too good a condition that those lanes just did not break up at all. And each, because there's obviously more horses in lane one and two, they just got firmer and firmer as the day goes on. And obviously there's some very good horses won on that day and they all went on to win group races after that. But, um, yeah, so what we, so the decision then sort of from 2016 was we'd leave the rail true true for the Friday, Saturday. So what the theory behind that is at least rather move the rail out three meters and you've got, you know, one or two of, of lane that could be better. You've at least got four or five lanes that can be better leaving the rail in the true to give more horses an opportunity. In an ideal world, yep, we'd love to go out six meters and be past that where. Um, but we can't do that because you'd only have 10 horse field in the Cox Plate. So for 2016, the difference was we had rain on the Friday night during the races uh, towards the end and then a little bit on, on the Saturday as well. It was a real sort of miserable day. Um, so actually the inside broke up in 2016 and then like Cox Plate time, they were right out in the middle of the track and we obviously seen Winks sort of storm down the middle of the outside there. Um, on a on a softer track, so that's sort of the way the reason it raced there in 2016. In 2017 and 18 was the typical what you would expect when you're having two good tracks. So on um, Friday night, it's always 
pretty even sort of most horses get their chance their typical Mooney Valley track that you want to be sort of on speed in the front half um, and they're sort of a little bit tempo related but on on the that day you've had your 100 plus horses all run on that inside four so the inside four on a good track is all, always going to be better so um, we put a little bit of moisture on, hoping that breaks out and brings in lanes sort of five, six, and seven. But sort of 2017 and 2018, yeah, certainly an advantage to be in those inside four lanes. And then the big difference is probably 2019 last year, the Liz was Shergox Cox fight. There's plenty of commentary saying that Mooney Valley had, had changed things up and, and learnt from their mistakes the previous year. Well, in fact, we hadn't done anything different. Um, the difference in 2019, there's a few showers in the morning, um, which just takes the edge off that track slightly. Um, but there was a 60 kilometre westerly wind. So from the 800 to the 400, those on speed horses are just facing that breeze. So that just gives those horses stalking the speed a bit more of a chance and, and sort of brings in the wider lanes into play a little bit more. Um, so that that was the only difference between 2017, 18 and 19 was a big 60 kilometre westerly wind. We didn't actually do anything anything different. Um, and you've sort of seen even the last race, Amangiri was able to lead and closer to the fence because the wind had actually dropped by that stage. So that's something that um, is, is really important to look out for um, as well, the, the sort of wind and the changes during the day. Um, you know, all the clubs have got um, their um, weather stations at the track that you can be really looked at as well. So, obviously, uh, the Wings winning those four races showed how how good she was, but also how adaptable she was to different different tracks. Yeah, for sure. That's why she was such a freak because she could uh, didn't matter what bias there was, she she could overcome it. So that's why such an amazing horse. Yeah. And what about um? How the Manicato Cox Plate Friday night Saturday night works. What, what's your view on that? Yeah, it's obviously it's always going to be hard from a, a track point of view because you, the the track does that inside four lanes does does compact from the Friday night, so it's always going to be forming now. And we could really overwater and get it into the soft rain so that that didn't happen. But we, you don't want to be doing that. You want the tracks to to be good. So we try to get us the right amount of moisture in it so. It, can hopefully break up a little bit, but sometimes it just doesn't happen because from September to December, tracks are in perfect condition. They're rarely divoting. They're really anchored well with the, the root structure. They absorb as much rain or irrigation as you can, but they don't, they don't really soften that much. You can get 30 mil the day before a race meeting and it, it'll, if, if it gets seven or eight hours drying time, it'll still race as a good fall. The tracks are just, they, they absorb all that moisture. So, but I can understand it from the club point of view. Uh, Manicato, you know, turnover is like record turnover for night meetings, you know, year in, year out. Um, you're getting ten or 11,000 on the Friday night and then you're getting another 25,000 to 30,000 on the Saturday. You know, the marquees are, are built, so there's an opportunity to use them twice. Um, so I can certainly understand it from, from a club point of view. I think it's been a really big success, um, to be honest. Probably outweighs any differences to the track, doesn't it? Unless you get like a lot of rain or something, I guess it makes it. Yeah, yeah, that's here. right. So you just got to identify that that information sort of there. I put it out in 2018, um, sort of my opinion of how it's going to race, and that's exactly how it raced. So the information was sort of there. So you should be at Mooney Valley anyway. You should tailor in your betting to 
on-speed horses in midfield anyway, so and he should be looking more so <clears throat> early on the day in Cox Plate um, that that's going to be the pattern anyway just because of that, that wear and compaction from the Friday night. Winning Edge Investments is an independent provider of tips, ratings and betting education on horse racing and sports, recruiting only the best full-time professional punters and expert analysts. Does your tipping service offer transparent posting of results every day using an achievable odds recording method? Do they offer a 120-page betting education pack with every membership? And do they provide a profit guarantee, loyalty bonus credits, refer-a-friend bonuses, and special insider discounts to valued members? If not, head over to winningedgeinvestments.com for a different, better experience. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. Is there any regular traits of the tracks which you've noticed sort of occur all the time or more frequently than others? Yeah, I do. I think there is. Uh, tr- they do certainly have some. I think when rail, rail in the true um, on most of the tracks is the true can be the last spot to dry out. They can hold a little bit more moisture, especially at Mooney Valley. So in rail true at Mooney Valley, um, there's just that 500 to that 200 section that we spoke about before that's a bit slower to drain out, drain, dry out, sorry. Um, that can that can help those horses sort of off the fence a little bit. So that that's probably the best opportunity, you know, for back markers to get into the race is, is in the true. I think you find um, all three tracks to straight dry out a little bit quicker. Um, so that's always going to be a natural advantage to sort of on-speed midfield horses. Um, as the rail goes out to sort of nine at both um, Caulfield is sort of especially that's where their their water cart goes out sort of lanes so if it was in the true it's sort of lanes like 12 to 15 they vary them a little bit so once it goes out nine um they can that can be a little bit of an advantage that's what I sort of identified on the weekend I sent you sort of the message beforehand so you can have a look at sort of what I do and I identified that sort of lanes three to seven were just a slightly better and that could be from that that time marks those compactions and then the northerly just compounded that because that helped those horses sort of stalking the speed slingshot into those lanes out wider and it brings those lanes sort of into play. But the thing is, is, is it, it also, like, you can put a rail, if you've had a month off, it wouldn't matter where you put the rail, it can generally race even and race differently. So it's more about that wear from recent racing um, that is sort of the bigger thing to look for. Do you notice certain jockeys get it right more often than, than others? Yeah, I, I do, yeah. So there's a lot. You know, Craig Williams is very good. Dwayne Dunn's very good. Ollie comes out a lot. They're pretty meticulous with sort of walking their tracks and, and they really – they ask a lot of questions as well, a few things, and we, we sort of give them some uh, things like if there is some time marks there, this is why they're there because we've had to fertilise this week or if we've had a little bit of an issue – um, explain to them sort of the issue. So I thought Michelle Payne used to be pretty good with it too. She had a different method. She would walk down to sort of the 600 before um, a race was run and then as they come past, she'd sort of walk and then she'd check the depth of the divots um, because that that's a big thing. You can have turf that looks really healthy and green and lush, but the depth of the divot there might be slightly bigger than, than that ter- turf that's worn and a little bit more compacted. 
So she would look to see how the depth of those divots. So I think that's a good way to do it as well. That certainly um, helps. And that's what I'm trying to look for. I use a, an umbrella, uh, stick it in like a 100 mil umbrella. And sometimes you just push it into those really healthy looking turf and it's just holding a bit more moisture. So it goes in a little bit deeper, whereas the worn turf, it might only go in half that way. So that's sort of the things that I'm looking on to see where there might be a little few little lane advantages by just where that consistently doesn't go in. Uh, So it doesn't matter if it doesn't, if it's for 20 or 30 metres, you've got to consistently try to find where that that's a little bit firmer, maybe from from some of those things like machinery or wear or that we sort of spoke about. Perfect. So you've um, explained some of the differences. What are some of the main things punters can look for? Yeah, so there's plenty of things there that punters can sort of look for. Um, there's some good data out there. Like if you look at Daniel O'Sullivan's service, which I sort of follow, he, he's got all the historical data. Um, so that's a really good starting point. And it, it's for me, my job for those guys is trying to find out when that when it's against that data. Um, the guys from Sportsbet um, on three wide no cover and insider trading on a Saturday morning, they've got all that historical, they've got all that analysis, um, which is fantastic information. Um, so there is some things, some sites there that the daily sectional stuff's really good too. He He's really good, Vince, with identifying those lanes and knowing those lanes that are there. Um so that and that sort of proves that they're you know they're not just even there's lanes there for all those reasons that we spoke about. Um, but what the punters can do is have a look at the previous meetings rail um, and where where they were. So we'll speak about um, Flemington that's coming up this week. So two weeks ago the rail was out five um, on a heavy track. Um, and the rail goes out eight this week. So not sure what sort of rating. It might be sort of soft at the moment, depending on how much rain we have. But there'll naturally be probably in the circle, maybe two or three lanes that have got some wear. And then in the straight, there'll probably, probably be more even wear because on those day, that day, they, they fanned out and the straight races were all sort of middle to outside. So it could be some advantages there or even some disadvantages. It's a little bit early for me to tell just yet without walking it, but there's something that you, you need to take into consideration. Um, other things, if, if a track goes from true to three and you've been both on good good tracks, we've well, got to think that there could be one or two lanes that are going to be an advantage sort of early in the day. Um, if it goes good to soft, then there's a chance that because it's softer, those inside lanes might break up a little bit quicker. Um, and same if it goes sort of soft to good. So you just got to look at those previous rail meetings, um, how long a break they have. Like if, you, if you're getting a three-week break, generally they're pretty good, but anything inside a two-week break, there's still going to be some wear there that, that might not have recovered and might still be that little bit bit firmer. Um, rain's always a good thing if we've had it. If we've had Good rain, that's one of the best levelers. Track managers love rain. If you could order, you know, 30 mil of rain on a Wednesday or Thursday before a Saturday meeting, you'd, you'd really be wrapped. It just it levels the track out, out a lot. Um, wind's obviously the big factor on race day to really look at. So have a look at all the, the Melbourne, Melbourne Racing Club have a race day app that's really good. Flemington have it on their website and so do Mooney Valley. Um, they've got weather stations at their track because the information you get from BOM um, can be very different to what's happening at the track, especially um, so for Mooney Valley, BOM's either Melbourne or Essendon Airport, and they can be really different to what's happening 
at, at Mooney Valley. So if the wind's 30 kilometres plus, and it certainly needs to be, to be looked at, um, there can be some advantages and some, some pretty big disadvantages there. How much do you, do you trust the, the weather forecasting these days? Yeah, it's, it is really hard, um, especially for us watering, because you want to try to water um, in as least wind as possible. So you're sort of looking the week in advance, what are the most windy days? So if, if it looks like Thursday and Friday is quite windy, well, we'll put a lot more moisture on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to get it into that profile so we don't have to water too much on those days. Um, so, you know, it can might be going to be a, a sunny week and, and, and then on Thursday, Friday, very windy, and then all of a sudden the forecast change and it drops to 20 degrees and we're getting, you know, 5 to 10 mil, and then all that water you put on early, you're sort of a little bit worried about it. So, yeah, certainly forecasts are... You tend to try to only – you've got to look in advance, but you only trust it probably within 24 <laughs> hours. Like the wind can change within 24 hours a yep. lot of the time. So, yeah, it's sort of don't – I wouldn't be looking sort of Thursday and having a bet thinking that's exactly what the wind or the weather's going to do. You really need to look on, on race day. It certainly changes. Yep, they're, they're good at getting it wrong. Especially in Melbourne too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Even harder down there. And what about Victoria's uh, good good four policy? What's your, your take on that? Yeah, I'd probably like to see the, the numbers go, um, for me. So, um, I would like to see it where you have, you have just firm, um, and we don't want to get to firm. Um, there will be days that, that might happen on very hot days where you've got really big northerly winds and track dries out really quickly. Um, but then I would just have the rating as good. Don't have a three on a four and just leave it up to the managers to get right. The old good three, um, I thought was perfect track. It's just we probably overcorrected um, from having a couple of firm tracks um, that probably weren't called good too back in that that old sale. So if you just have it good, because there's days where you need to have more moisture in the track. So when we spoke about a rail moving true to three and you've got a few um, lanes that have got that wear and compaction on it, you actually need to get a bit more moisture in that so that those lanes don't become a big advantage. And that's what happened to us in 2015 on Cox Plate Day. And I think that's what happened on, on Blue Diamond Day is those lanes just didn't break up. They had that little bit of compaction already. And then they got firmer and firmer as the day goes on. So those days you need a bit more moisture. But then there's days where let's say it's Wednesday and we've had that 25, 30 mil of rain. We know sort of Friday afternoon that it, it's probably in that good four range. We know Saturday that that it's probably going to be good three, but hold that rating all day. And now you've sort of got a water on the Friday to put three or four mil on to keep it in that good four range when the track would be perfect if it's just left that without that, that extra moisture. So there's days when, you know, you want to have that little bit more moisture in it to try to make it even. And there's other days where that good three is just perfect because you've had good rain that's evened the track out and you don't want to put any more sort of irrigation on that doesn't need to. Um, so that, yeah, there's, there's certainly differences, um, there that the policy, look, the policy was working okay sort of through that spring and the tracks were racing really well, but there sort of can be an accumulation factor. Uh, I think I'd just be leaving it. If you just had it as good, um, and then leave it up to the managers to sort of get right. They know when it needs that little bit more moisture or, or when it's right. Um, I think the big difference for the punters, though, is they want to know when it gets into that soft range. And for me, the soft range is when the tracks are starting to divot. Um, they're not just getting their toe into it. 
um, and the times are considerably affected. So I think that the other side to it is too is um, there's not an exact science in, in getting that that right. Like the going stick is not 100% accurate. Two people at the same track can do a going stick and they'll get different readings. Different readings, different parts of the track too, wouldn't they? Yeah, that's right. So we, on that that you have a penetrant reading, which is how you push the, it into the ground and it gives you a penetrant reading, then you pull it back and it gives a shear reading and then an overall index. So some guys might get higher shear and others might get higher penetrant, and that can be just on how you put it in. So there's not sort of the consistency there. Even with the track walkers, like 10 track walkers might walk the track and we ask them what they think it is and five will say it's a good three, five will say it's a good four. Um, I listen to all the, the review um, podcasts and, and get an insight in what they're doing so it helps my track walking uh, as well and like we take the Flemington meeting um, two weeks ago after it there was some said it was a, a seven some said it was an eight and some thought it was a little bit heavier than than an eight now that's after the fact with all the analysis there and all the data there so that sort of shows how hard so there needs to be that little bit of grace I think um, with the readings, you don't want them to be sort of two readings out. That, that's fair enough. But I also don't think it can always be based like time related. Um, because I, we've seen it in Mooney Valley. We use the moisture sensors every 20 meters. We take two moisture readings four or five times a week. So we know exactly how much moisture is in that track. And a track that's got good moisture in it, they, they get their toe in and there's got a good root structure. You'll run just as fast at times as that on a, on a firmer good three. So. You can't always sort of be raced on time as well. Probably the other thing too I, I just mentioned is just there's a fair bit of criticism of track managers um, for maybe getting one or two tracks wrong in a season, like um, you're having 25 meetings and sort of no one talks about the, the other 23 meetings they get wrong. And there is a really big difference between a track racing, you know, with that fence bias as to racing um as a predicted pattern, like Fleming Caulfield was on the weekend. Um, that's just a predicted northerly, strong northerly weather track. There's nothing a track manager can do for that. So I reckon the track managers do an outstanding job down here, especially in Melbourne. Um, and I think they cop a lot of criticism that's probably a little bit unwarranted. It's, it's for one or two bad meetings. Um, yeah. So I think that um, they, they really do do a, a really good job and, it is a tough job with all those things that, that we spoke about, but I think they get it right more often than, than not. So and they certainly put their hand up when you get one or two bad ones, but I think, yeah, the criticism's a little bit harsh, I, I feel. Yeah, as you've outlined, it's a difficult job, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like I said, that with, that, with cricket pitches and all that, they don't always play exactly the same. Uh, a, a green on a golf course doesn't run at the same speed every single time. You know, it's an outdoor sport with a, a lot of variables and, and, you know, you talk about the forecasts, how they change so so regularly. Um, yeah, I think they do an outstanding job, really. Very well said, mate. I'm sure our audience will have a much deeper understanding of the challenges facing the track managers in trying to deliver a track which suits everyone. So, yeah, once again, mate, thanks for coming on the show and I'm sure our listeners learn a lot about tracks and the way they play and why they play the way they do, and they can take that and use it to improve their punting. Yep, no worries at all. Thanks for having me on.
At Winning Edge Investments, our team of highly skilled expert analysts and full-time professional punters review the data, crunch the figures, assess the best betting opportunities, and deliver them to your phone via our app and your email inbox in real time so you profit. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com, look at our membership options, make your choice, and enter the promo code PODCAST to receive a special 25% discount on your first membership just for listening. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T in capital letters for a 25% ongoing discount on your first membership. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. 